This is the Ned Group Investments Podcast, a space where you can learn more about our fund managers, the funds they manage, as well as getting up-to-date and important developments affecting the investment world and how they might be relevant to you. Good morning. We're with Andrew Parsons from Resolution Capital, all the way from Sydney, Australia. Today, he's going to chat to us about some of the constituents of the portfolio, some of the more interesting constituents of the portfolio. Morning, Andrew. Good morning, Rob. Um, I mentioned some of the more interesting constituents of the portfolio, but the, the reason what I want to talk about is the diversified nature of the portfolio and, and the fact that you don't just own office or retail, you own some more interesting areas like logistics and and data centers. So mm. just on logistics, I believe Prologis is one of the largest stocks in the portfolio. What's so attractive about that at the moment? Yeah, look, I mean, Prologis, you're right, is uh, certainly one of the biggest positions in the portfolio. Um, they result, released their... Uh, earnings result last night and uh, produced another strong set of numbers. Um, they're obviously enjoying um, particularly um, uh, supportive conditions associated with the growth of e-commerce and uh, last mile delivery and um, you know changing logistics distribution um, uh, networks. And that's a portfolio that has a a portfolio that's well suited to those changes um, and tenant demand. So, you know, it's a leader in its field in a global sense, um, has a strong portfolio, outstanding portfolio in the US, has a very good portfolio in uh, other parts of the world, including uh, Europe uh, and uh, and parts of Asia. And um, as I say, it's it's benefiting from outsized demand that's outpacing uh, the level of supply. And the great thing about Prologis is it is also a developer. So it's able to meet some of that additional demand through development at uh, very, very uh, uh, attractive investment rates, um, returns. So uh, it meets the criteria that we look for, a leader in its field, a field that's enjoying a stronger tenant demand than um, supply uh, and a proven long-term track record. So uh, it certainly, uh, you know, uh, I guess, uh, demonstrates the sorts of opportunities that are available in the global opportunity set. And in fact, within our benchmark, um, it's worth noting that, frankly, Prologis is the biggest stock in the, in, in the, in the world, the biggest REIT in the world today. Um, there are technically some larger ones that uh, are outside the benchmark that are associated with cell towers, for example, and, uh, and um, uh, also data centers. Uh, but within the traditional FTSE APRA and REIT benchmark, Prologis is the largest, but again, now, the REIT universe is, as you say, um, very uh, broad. You know, we've got all sorts of different properties. And even as you say, with an office, I think it's worth noting that not all office is the same. For example, we have a, a large position in a stock called Alexandria, which is a leader in life science office. So it's lab space type office. It's um, the, the, the leading provider of uh, lab space um, in, in uh, the US. And that's uh, an area which has been enjoying, again, good, strong tenant demand uh, because of obviously healthcare-related um, research. And uh, they're the leader. Now, the great thing why I say they're the leader is that they have a particular skill set um, in a very sensitive area, sensitive in terms of the work that's done in their buildings. Obviously, it's research into, uh, uh, you know, among other things, uh, health uh, drugs, et cetera. And so it has to be particular, very particular in terms of the way the properties are, are developed and managed. And uh, because they're known as being the leader, that's where a lot of tenants gravitate towards someone like Alexandra, who is the experience. And again, that just shows to us 
the quality of the portfolios or the platforms available in the listed REIT space when you're able to buy the number one operators in, in various fields. And an area that's come under pressure has been residential in Germany, in particular, held Deutsche Wohnen. And just because local authorities are changing the landscape um, or the playing field for for some of these REITs, just based on um, inequality of rent uh, of rents and who has the most power there, they've been trying to level the playing field. Um, has that had an effect on? on well, some look, of your- just to be clear, what the situation mentioned in Germany is, and Deutsche Wohnen is, um, uh, German residential is an interesting one. There's a supply shortage, uh, and rents have been rising. Um, and it's fair to say Berlin has a history of, let's say, socialism. Um, they don't like the fact that rents are rising so much. What uh, tenants fail to point out is that they have rent controls already in place, whereby if you're a sitting tenant, your rents only go up by a government-mandated amount each year, which has been going up at about 2 to 2.5%. Market rents have been growing at 5 to 10%. So as long as you stay in your apartment, you only face 1% to 2% rents. But if you leave to go somewhere else, you then open yourself to a market rent. And the market rent might be 20 or 30% more than you're currently paying. So there's been a lot of uh, angst amongst residents of Berlin. Uh, and given that 80% of occupants of Berlin are renters, they have a particularly strong influence on the political thinking of the, uh, the uh, city. So what's happened there is that the government has given in to the pressures of uh, some of the residential uh, lobby groups, and they've called for a 5%, uh, sorry, a cap, a five-year cap on rents, uh, or a five-year rent freeze, I should say, on, on rents. And so that has no doubt had uh, an impact on stock that we own in the portfolio, Deutsche Wohnen. Uh, you know, these things come from left field every once in a while. You have to put that into your thinking. Um, it is unfortunate. You know, our long-term holding in Deutsche Wohnen, we're still well in the money on the, since the, the initial investment. But nevertheless, the stock is uh, under some pressure. Um, ironically, we think the cash flows actually benefit from this uh, decision. Um, uh, basically what this will do, it just exacerbates the supply problem that Berlin faces. Right? So what you do is by putting a, a cap on or a, or a freeze on rents, you actually say to developers don't develop because you're not going to get- Because it's across uh, everything. Uh, it's, it's not just the existing buildings. That's right. So it dissuades supply. And the problem with Berlin is it has a supply shortage. So they've basically given into short term, a short-term solution to a long-term problem. And it's just going to exacerbate that long-term issue. And if the city's not careful, it will make itself unattractive for occupants in the future. And for a vibrant city, you do need supply. Um, so, look, you know, I, I certainly understand people's anxiety about rising rents. Um, I, I, I think that's fair. I think that the anxiety of, of more construction activity in your city, which has been, you know, it's a fantastic city. If you've ever been there, it's a, it's a great dynamic city. But it definitely has a very old housing stock that needs to be renewed. This is not going to encourage the renewal of the Berlin residential market. And as I say, if uh, you know, you've got to remember its its role has changed in the last ten years. It's effectively become quasi the quasi capital, quasi capital of uh, financial capital mm. of uh, of Europe, or, or sorry, government capital, um, because obviously the reunification of of Germany. So you've got more people flocking to Berlin to be close to the strength of the German uh, government. Uh, and so, um, you know, it's a, a, a delicate situation where they've basically, I think, used some short-term um, solutions to a, a long-term problem. 
And is something similar going on in California as well? Yeah, look, this is not just a Berlin situation. This is a global issue, residential affordability. Um, you know, curiously, what is it, a, less, a decade since the financial crisis, which was caused by a flood of subprime residential, uh, we now have a shortage of, of residential around the world in major cities because of urbanisation, uh, because people are going to some of these gateway cities. Well, the residential property has not kept pace in terms of supply with the demand. And so rents have been rising at far greater than the cost of living, uh, sorry, than, than wages, I should say, in, uh, in these major cities. That's led to a, you know, uh, some significant pressure on governments to come up with solutions. And as I was just saying in the case of Berlin, whether we like it or not, it's very hard to, uh, to come up with a solution other than supply. It's a demand and supply story. Uh, and so in California, you've got a similar situation where there's not the supply, the nimbyism, not in my backyard. People don't want more building uh, in their cities. And so there's a natural bias against more supply. We're seeing it in London with the Lord Mayor there calling for rent controls. Uh, we're seeing it in Australian cities where there's been um, uh, insufficient supply. So it's a global issue. And as you say, there's been push uh, in, the, uh, in California to reintroduce uh, rent controls. Now, it was rejected at last year's uh, elections. They had a, a referendum on the issue. But such is the level of disquiet. They're actually thinking about bringing it back again to try and put it back to voters again. So it's certainly something that we need to monitor. But again, what I find curious is it actually exacerbates the situation. You know, we, we, we either kill these cities by making them unlivable because the stock, fall, frankly, becomes too old and, and, uh, and decrepit, or we, um, or we have to spend money and, uh, on renewal. And uh, it's a delicate game. I'm not, uh, I certainly don't like it when they start building next to my place too, but it's just a fact of living in a dynamic city. And if you want a dynamic, thriving city, you have to ex expect that you're going to have some inconvenience. So constant changes around the world throw up constant problems. And I think that's one of the beauties of the portfolio is you're able to move assets around to more attractive areas, regions, uh, types of uh, or re re sectors. Um, so just f final question is, um, w what's looking attractive at the moment? Yeah, look, um, we're seeing uh, you know, different parts of the economy uh, or the property market being relatively attractive and residential. As I said, there's a shortage of supply. Um, and governments know that uh, if they start bringing in heavy-handed tactics uh, to resolving the situation, it really just exacerbates the long-term problem. So we're still very constructive on, on residential property as an example. We like logistics for the reasons I just gave a moment ago. Um, so there are a couple of the, the areas that we're, we're particularly enthusiastic about, I'd have to say, yes. Um, and other than that, select office markets, you know, Tokyo office, vacancy rates less than 2%. Now, to give you an idea, context, vacancy rates usually where, you know, landlords have pricing power, vacancy rates are less than 5 or 6%. Tokyo's vacancy rates less than 2%. So the landlords there have, a, you know, we think, are in a very strong position to continue to achieve real rent growth. Uh, and that's attractive in a place like Japan, which is obviously experiencing low levels of inflation and low interest rates. So, you know, select office markets around the world, select residential, um, select logistics. Uh, we certainly uh, think that there's some, some very attractive stories. Great. Well, thanks very much for joining us today. A pleasure. Thank you. Negroup Collective Investments is an authorised collective investment scheme manager in terms of the Collective Investment Schemes Control Act. Negroup Investments does not provide advice on financial products and will only give you factual information.
For further details on our funds and to view our terms and conditions, please visit negroupinvestments.co.za.